Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we are on to week 14. This is the make or break week for most leagues heading into the playoffs. How are you feeling, Goom? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm doing pretty well in our main league, and I'm in the playoffs, and so are you. So success for both of us. So we know what we're talking about, so that's good, (laughs) Um, at least to some degree. And it's also the make or break week for you potentially passing me, or at least uh, you can't make the gap any smaller because you're only one correct game prediction behind me at this point. Blake has 117 correct, 78 incorrect, and I have 118 correct, 77 incorrect. So it's a close one. It is, and I want to say not so fast on that make or break distinction because we've got four we more weeks of football after this. But so... it's make or break for me keeping the lead <laughs> this no, it's week. Not. How about that? Because well, it's within it's within range. Is my point is that it can yeah. happen this week. I've been I've been, strike, I've been in striking distance all season long. I want to yes. keep that in perspective. Um, but yeah, like you said. Uh, one game apart in picks for the season. That's exciting. Uh, we're finally closing that gap. Let's talk about the teams that are going to be on bye this week. There are a lot of them. Go ahead. Yeah, so we have the Bears, who are 3-10. and 10. I saw that they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. It seems like a lot of teams are... Shocking, with 10 losses. At the bottom. Yes, I know. Um, but Saints also, they are 4-9. and nine. Colts, 4-8-1. and one. Packers, 5-8. and eight. Falcons, 5-8. and eight. And Commanders, 7-5-1. and one. So that was a tie last week. So did you, did you just give neither of us a point or both a point? Or how did that yeah, happen? Yeah, so I handled it the same way that whenever the Colts and the Texans tied, I gave us both an incorrect selection, meaning a loss. Yeah. Um, so same thing for this week. Um, and it actually couldn't have gone better. I, it, I, I I misspeak when I say that. It could have gone better. We picked four games differently. I could have gone for four for four. Um, but one of those games was that tie. So instead of you oh. picking up a win, we both got a loss. So I picked up three games on you. Wow. Well, there, there you go. And yeah. uh, we'll talk about the Buccaneers later on. But we officially have a team in that division that's at 500. So that's yeah, let's go. And I see two of those other teams right here are obviously below 500 and are on by. But we can move on to Thursday night football, which is the Raiders at the Rams. Um, so if the Raiders, uh, they have identity. It's either <clears throat> Devontae Adams or it's Josh Jacobs or it's both like it was in yeah. this one, which is really this is kind of what you expected the ceiling of this offense to be. I think that's fair to say. And they did enough to beat the Chargers last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and we both picked the Chargers probably. Eh, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, we did. But, Josh Jacobs added his sixth 100-plus rushing yard game of the season and 10th rushing touchdown. I think he's making a statement to say, hey, I deserve to be a starter. If not on this team, some team deserves I deserve to be a starter for because, yeah. as we've talked about earlier in the season, that, what is it called, Hall of Fame game, whatever it was mm-hmm. in the preseason. Yeah, Really weird narrative going into the season for Josh Jacobs, but he's cementing himself as being arguably an elite uh, NFL running back, and that is... It's really, I mean, he's always been looked at as decent, but he's really cementing yeah. himself uh, this season, I would say. Agreed. And then someone who's already cemented himself, of course, is Devontae Adams, who had his season high in receiving yards at 177, while also having two receiving touchdowns. And something I just want to note, because I don't feel like we talk about him too much, Derek Carr has nine games with at least two passing TDs, making him a fine bye week fill-in. Um, you know, people were probably hoping for a higher ceiling with the addition of Devontae Adams, but Carr's still throwing a decent amount of touchdowns, more than, you know, he kind of was last season. Was was it kind of a meme where he wouldn't throw more than one? Was I think that's it was, what it was. No, it was the same problem. He wouldn't throw more than two. Okay. So he stayed consistent. Yeah, he, he is who we thought he was. 
Um, but he's been doing it with a, a much reduced, obviously outside of Devontae Adams, a much reduced uh, quality of cast of characters around him. You know, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller being on IR for the past few weeks has created a bit of a challenge. And, uh, you know, Mac Hollins has had games, but he's certainly not someone you can count on. It's really Devontae yeah, Adams and Josh Jacobs, really. like you said. Yeah, Mac Hollins has kind of stayed involved, but not enough to really be fantasy relevant to make your starting lineup. But he's remained involved, so it wasn't just one game that he went off and then just completely disappeared. So it's been a little interesting. But Jacobs is elite for fantasy, Adams is elite for fantasy, and Carr, I would say, is a fine bi-week fill-in. Um, so with the Rams, fun offense I love talking about. <laughs> they got a new addition, though, and I'll talk about him soon. But Matthew Stafford will most likely miss the remainder of the season with a spinal cord injury. Sean McVay has clarified that this won't be a long-term issue for Stafford. That's their coach, but I feel like most people know that. If I know that, most people probably know that. I'm not that, that right. good of coaches, but there you go. Uh, backup quarterback John Wolford only threw for 178 passing yards and two interceptions. And uh, this was a mediocre performance or bad performance enough for them to pick up Baker Mayfield off the waivers because the Panthers released him. So uh, I would say that you probably would have agreed with Wolford being there. You're not starting a Rams pass catcher. But does that change with Mayfield? No. How can you say it does? I know. Um, I get we've it. watched Baker Mayfield play. I mean, if anything, it speaks to how desperate the Rams are. They've been historically terrible coming off of their Super Bowl win. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think... The addition of Baker Mayfield is a very ho-hum uh, piece of news for fantasy purposes. So, yeah, uh, yeah nothing really uh, moves the needle in that regard. I don't exactly understand why they acquire him. I mean, I don't think they have much of a chance, if any, of making the playoffs. They obviously are still going to go with Stafford next season, is with you know them kind of McVay clarifying it's not a long-term issue. I feel like that kind of shows his cards in that regard a little bit. Not that I think that Mayfield is the direct replacement, but I just it seems a little... Yeah, it's just out of desperation, but I don't feel like they should have any hope this season, so why? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Obviously not a uh, an NFL GM by any means, but yeah. I think with Matthew Stafford suffering a spinal cord contusion, that's a very serious injury yes. and something that yes. he may not be healthy for and of course i'm speculating not not a doctor either on my list of things that i am not uh nfl gm and doctor are both on that list but yeah. i think that matthew stafford is uh, going through a serious injury right now and it's possible that i don't know i mean they probably just want to save face they don't have their own draft picks they do need to win um yeah. just for the sake of they're not getting next year's draft pick depends no matter how bad they do this year. So I think, yeah. honestly, they're just incentivized to win based on that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting for sure. I know that they have to take the $1.3 million or something from that the Panthers are supposed to pay Mayfield, yeah. so they're having to pay yeah. him extra on top of what they're probably now going to give him as a one-year contract, or I don't even know what the details no, are. But... No, he, he, they just absorbed that money that he was owed for the Got season. It. Got it. So yeah. basically just transfers over. All right, well, mm -hmm. we can move on from the quarterback talk and talk about Cam Akers. This is actually some positive news, maybe, with the Rams' offense. <laughs> uh, Akers had a season-high in snap percentage at 72%, while having 17 carries and two rushing touchdowns, while also having one reception. From what I remember, he wasn't super efficient with yards per carry, but he got two rushing touchdowns. So with the season-high in snap percentage, what do you make of this? Yeah, three and a half yards per carry, that's... Uh, by no means elite, but it's uh, yeah. it's okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Honestly, I don't want any part 
to I don't have I don't want to do anything with this offense. Yes, totally. Um, K-Maker's finding the end zone twice is nice, but the last time he scored was week three of this season, and it just doesn't feel like uh, something that you can really count on. I, yeah. I would say he's a flex consideration, um, and I'm kind of waiting to see if Kyron Williams gets more involved because yeah. there was a lot of hype around him during the preseason before he was injured, and now that he's quote-unquote healthy he's not getting a whole lot of usage so um it's it's hard to say but um i'm gonna join you on picking the raiders in this one i think the addition of baker mayfield honestly doesn't help the rams at all so yeah um yeah going with the raiders on this one all right let's move on to jets at bills and kind of dis i know it's in buffalo but disrespectful for a 9.5 spread with in the bills favor wouldn't i mean they beat them in New Jersey when they faced them the first time. I know it's in Buffalo, but don't you think that's a little disrespectful? I mean, I've been I've been saying all season long that the Jets are frauds, so... I, they only lost to the Vikings by five. I don't know. I don't know. I'll talk about their offense, and... I'll pick them, I will, then. We'll, well, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, with these Week 13 stats for the Jets, and I'm pulling this straight off of PFF... Uh, no plagiarism here. It's worth noting the Jets ran a ridiculously high 85 plays in a non-overtime game. That inflated the numbers of all offensive players. They've run 61 plays or less in half of their games. So that is something to note for some of these stats. But mm-hmm. Mike White, who I saw pretty sure has already been announced to be the starter in Week 14, um, kind of regressed a little bit in some areas. He threw zero passing touchdowns and two interceptions in Week 13. But he did throw 369 passing yards with 31 completions on 57 attempts. So that's kind of the passing yards and completion attempts looking like early season Joe Flacco, which was great for the receivers. And this makes Garrett Wilson, which is spelled incorrectly, um, arguably a wide receiver one. I mean, I don't know. He has that ceiling, it seems, with back-to-back 20-plus fantasy points with White as the starter. That distinction doesn't really matter because he's making your starting lineup no matter what, but it is interesting to see how well he does with anyone other than his brother, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, wide receiver one might be a little ambitious considering the the teams that are on a bye this week, um, but I think safe wide receiver two, someone that I yeah. was uh, targeting in drafts for sure. But, um, and you know, the return of Zach Wilson kind of fl- plummeted his stock for a short period. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would totally agree. I think that Mike White kind of did a good impression of Mac Jones, what he did on Thanksgiving, put up a lot of yards, not a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to give a shout out to one of the commenters from last week's video, Matthew Smith. He said, as a Jets fan, we call Mike White, Mike F and White. So, oh, wow. uh, look at that. <laughs> Just we were chanting for last week. But yeah, that's good to hear. That's funny. Yeah, so uh, that's cool. And uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's keep talking about some of the other kind of rising stars that we're seeing on the team. Yeah, I don't know. I have a long history of not liking Corey Davis, so calling him a rising star kind of hurts me a little bit. Um, at least if we're talking about pass catchers, maybe you're alluding to Zonovan Knight. But I'll talk about him later. But yeah, Bam Knight's <laughs> more on my mind. Yeah, the next best Jets pass catcher was Corey Davis with five receptions for 85 yards on 10 targets, but I personally wouldn't be looking to start him. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Okay, and then now we'll talk about a potential rising star in Zonovan Knight. Uh, And he was once again the lead back in Michael Carter's absence. 
keep an eye on Michael Carter's injury status because I feel like him returning makes Knight not worth starting, and I don't really know what it does to Carter because Knight hasn't been involved since Carter's been out with an injury, so it'll be interesting to see. But Knight in Week 13 had 15 carries for 90 yards and five receptions for 28 yards. Um, running back Ty Johnson had six receptions, but Knight is definitely the Jets' RB to start in Carter's absence, but it may make it difficult to start any of them against the Bills this week. Um, do you think that's fair? Tough matchup. I, I Yeah, <clears throat> I would avoid starting um, pretty much everyone outside of Garrett Wilson this yeah. week uh, that wears a Jets uniform, but I think that it's kind of interesting, and, and we're going to talk about it here in a moment, but I think it's very interesting that Zonovan Knight didn't get any opportunities prior to the team acquiring James Robinson. That's true. Uh, he's just been, he's literally been inactive for the first half of the season, so... yeah. Uh, as far as I know, he wasn't injured, but it just seems like uh, negligence to not look yeah. at your own backfield before acquiring a player that you're not even willing to use. Yeah, James um, Robinson is looks as good as Zonovan Knight early season. <laughs> is what his current. Dang. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's like not That's playing. What did there. Yeah, they switched. <laughs> but no, your point is exactly right. And James Robinson, yeah. I guess, is droppable because of that it's weird it yeah makes, it's almost hard to do so because you're like well why did they acquire him but there's nothing pointing in the direction other than the fact that they did acquire him that they really care about using him yeah you want to hear something really interesting back sure. all the way back in week eight um in my espn league i made a possibly season saving trade and that was Uh-oh. trading deontay johnson and james robinson for amon ross st brown and tony pollard how's that feeling <laughs> i do remember that that is yeah that is amazing that that, that is, is amazing a, yeah that's talk about buyer's remorse for the other guy <laughs> uh, yeah for sure i feel bad for that other guy that is difficult um to move on to the bills we have another emerging running back rookie james cook had 14 carries for 64 yards and six receptions for 41 yards on a season high of 43 percent of snaps devin singletary meanwhile had 13 carries for 51 yards and a rushing touchdown but zero receptions on a season low at 44% of snaps. So it's not like Cook, he still barely outsnapped Cook, but it's a season high for Cook of snaps, whereas it's a season low for Singletary. So yeah. do you expect Cook to completely take over this backfield, whatever that may look like? Yeah, so I, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on what you're meaning by that. Are you saying like right. a like a 70-30 split or Singletary becomes unusable? Like, what are you thinking? I feel like Singletary is becoming unusable. I mean, like, it, it he completely... Him getting a rushing touchdown is the only reason he hit double digits, and he barely did so. And I think that Cook getting six receptions and 14 carries, and season high for him, season low for Singletary, I wouldn't be looking to start Cook this week, but I yeah. think it's trending in the direction that Cook really could be their starting running back next season. So, so okay, so even though... This season is kind of unknown. Yeah, even though they had similar snap percentage usage, um, James Cook got more touches, which is what you're what you're alluding to. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting consideration. I don't know if I really necessarily trust either running back right now. Um, yeah, if I no, roster, yeah, I if I roster James Cook, he probably feels like the more preferred option at this point. Um, but I'm not super familiar with his goal line usage. I think. Um, and I'm going to try to look that up while we uh, while we pick this game. 
Yeah, but well, I, I want to say sing- I'd be surprised if Singletary is their go-to guy because he's like five seven. So I don't even know who they use in goal line situations. Josh Allen. <laughs> Every time, yeah, but he's still been he's still been getting rushing touchdowns. So yeah, I just mean like I don't think he has a stronghold on that role. Is kind of my point necessarily. Um, while you look that up, I'll just talk about the pass catchers because it's kind of kind of how it's been this season. Gabe Davis two receptions and a touchdown on eighty one percent of snaps, while Isaiah McKenzie had five receptions for forty four yards on fifty two percent of snaps. I would almost say you would start Allen and Diggs, and then you're kind of risky anywhere else because you have the uh, the wide receiver in Gabe Davis is more involved snap-wise, but uh, needs a touchdown to have a good week. And then McKenzie's getting receptions, but still isn't nearly as involved snap-wise as Davis. And then we've already talked about how it could be risky to pick Cook or Singletary this week. So, yeah. And, yeah, like you tried to tempt me earlier, even though the spread's big, and I think that's a little unfair. I will pick the Bills. And uh, All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm going to join you on that. Um, I really feel like... When the Jets won against the Bills, it was fluke, and I just just can't pick against the Bills in this one. Yeah. Uh, did you find anything you were looking for? Or should we just? No, I couldn't. I, uh, NFL savant was being an, uh, a bit idiotic and wouldn't let me connect. So we'll have to. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to Browns at Bengals, another divisional matchup. Um, with the Browns, Deshaun Watson made his return against his former team, the Texans, last week and went 12 for 22 for 131 passing yards and an interception. Um, something that's positive, 21 rushing yards and 7 carries, that's pretty good. We know that he can do that. So I feel like it's an easy yes because he set the bar so low, but do you expect him to improve upon this performance against the Bengals? I guess that's what makes it a little bit difficult. Because theoretically a much stronger defense than the You're Texans. asking about what how I feel about Deshaun Watson this week? Yes, improving upon whatever it was, a five-point-something <laughs> fantasy performance. I mean, it can't go much lower. I but agree. I think that the fact that he couldn't get it done against the Houston Texans is a very bad look. Um, yeah, I mean, they still won the game. Yeah, but it was all on the defense. If you had if you had Cleveland's defense last week, you probably won your matchup. Um, okay, that's fair. They put, up an, they put up like 30 points in fantasy. So... It was uh, it was a bit lopsided in terms of who did what for the team in order for them to win. I really think if Deshaun Watson is your main quarterback, and I, I'm I'm speaking directly to you because you have Lamar Jackson who's hurt. Yes. Uh, I don't feel comfortable. I I honestly probably feel more comfortable playing Tyler Huntley yeah. than Deshaun Watson this week. So um, that thought has already crossed my mind. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure it has. Um, yeah, I just uh, it really scares me that you know the worst team in the NFL by record kind of bottled up Deshaun Watson. That's bad, um, and I don't expect the you know the, the the Super Bowl runner-ups to give him an easy time. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm looking. Yeah, I guess you could hope for a shootout uh, to make Watson stay better. And hey, maybe there was something psychological about him facing the Texans. I don't know. Who knows. Um, but he got the win last week, as you said, thanks to the defense, so that he had an opportunity to still win the game and kind of maybe brush off some rust, potentially, but we'll see how quickly he can get that all off. Uh, Let's talk about the targets for the pass catchers. Amari Cooper led the team with nine targets, but this didn't amount to too much. Donovan Peoples-Jones had three targets, so that's not what you like to see, but again, Watson didn't throw the ball a ton, and then David Njoku was inactive, Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much involved he is when he returns. Yeah, they expect him to play this coming week, so um, that's good news for Njoku managers. Yes, 
Uh, Nick Chubb rushed for 80 yards, which is where all of his fantasy points came from. He had eight, so that can happen with him. Doesn't get his touchdowns. It happens. Uh, Moving on to the Bengals, Jamar Chase made his return and had seven receptions for 97 yards. Had a Jamar Chase day. Um, A receiving touchdown salvage T. Higgins three reception days. That's not really what you'd want to see from him, but I would still say you feel pretty good going forward. It's not like he's completely irrelevant when Chase is there. That's usually reserved for Tyler Boyd. Um, I think he even had more receptions than Higgins this week, but I would venture to say that like it's kind of an anomaly for that to happen for Higgins. That's not normal for him to have three receptions. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, Boyd did have four to, to Higgins three, uh, but the real number that concerns me is T. Higgins five targets when, yeah. uh, you know, obviously with no Jamar Chase, he's been getting close to double digits every week. Yeah. Um, five is a, is a bit of a, an unexpected drop against Kansas City. Yeah, and a close one of the Chiefs, too, and fairly high scoring. It is kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, yet again, in Joe Mixon's absence, Samajay Perine put some, or P. Ryan, I don't even know, put some respect on his name. Obviously, I'm not. He did very well. He rushed for 106 yards on 21 carries and had six receptions for 49 yards. Um, so that's great. He's obviously, like, you know, fits that Alexander Madison elite handcuff Tony Pollard. I guess he's in that conversation now. I don't know if I would go that far. Back-to-back um, games with 20-plus points, I'm pretty sure. I know. I, I think I'm not convinced, but I like the player. Um, yeah. I just think that, you know, it might be might be putting the cart before the horse to call him like an Alexander Madison. Okay. Not unfair, but uh, I would say that if you're looking to start him and mix sense out, I would say that's not a bad play. No, it's an excellent matchup. Uh, Cleveland's been really bad against defending running backs, and uh, although I have a sense that Joe Mixon's going to clear concussion, concussion protocol this week, um, we've just seen with the new changes to that protocol that uh, coming back one one week following the designation is difficult. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow also had a season high of carries with 11, finding the end zone with one of those, so obviously uh, 32 carries between... P. Ryan and Burrow shows that they obviously found more success uh, on the ground than passing because Jamar Chase got his, but really no other pass catcher got theirs. Um, But yeah, I'm going to agree with you coming off of a win against the Chiefs at home. Cincinnati Bengals should win against the Browns. Yeah, and this is a a weird one back on Halloween night when the Browns (laughs) kind of just shut down Cincinnati. Um, I I have a feeling that that's not going to be the case home with the Bengals. Um, I agree. And moving on, I'm like holding in laughter because I see the biggest spread all season. Texans yeah. at Cowboys. Cowboys 17 point favorite. Uh, we'll talk about that scoreline against the Colts. We could do it now or when we get to the Colts. But let me just talk about the Texans first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Anna, Kyle Allen, yet again threw one passing touchdown and two interceptions. Same thing he did in Week 12 while throwing for 201 yards on 20 completions. Uh, This production and volume limits the ceiling of Texans pass catchers. Brandon Cooks was inactive, so note that. Um, And Nico Collins led the team in targets of 10, but he only had three receptions. Fortunately for him, one of those was a receiving touchdown. Uh, You know how I feel about targets. Collins is averaging nine targets across his past four games. Does this make him worth rostering? Because I believe his roster percentage is still pretty low. I'll check. Yeah, ro- is exactly. ro- rostering is a completely different conversation from playing. Yes. And from that perspective, I will agree with you. I mean, I- I've been saying it for weeks now that Nico Collins is someone who should be rostered in more uh, in more leagues. But 
the real problem is like how can you <laughs> how can you justify playing a Texans player that isn't Damian Pierce? Um, yeah, it's just it's a it's a scary place for fantasy and yeah. with no I Brandon probably, Cooks. I probably this sorry, is not I the was week. just gonna say I probably like Nico Collins a lot more next season than the rest of this season. Um, yeah, this if, is if, only if, his second season. If Houston drafts a quarterback or something happens with Davis Mills where he gets superpowers and starts playing better then yeah that that might be something to look at i really can't imagine cooks is on that roster next season and if collins can just take the old cooks role it almost doesn't even require an upgrade at quarterback i mean although cooks at the beginning of the season wasn't great but collins was still involved more than he was um last season but yeah obviously it's been worse Mm -hmm. but yeah getting a new quarterback would be great too but i just think that he could still fill that role uh, with Cook's oh, and I do want to I do want to just pat myself on the back really quickly. Um, I called it. Jordan Akins did have a better week than Foster Moreau. It wasn't by much, but it was true. Wow, there you go. Yeah, that's probably low stakes. Because <laughs> five point one, like, five point yeah. one is what Akins put up. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> what a call. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right, Damian Pierce. Uh, basically, like you like you said already, he's the only Texans your conf- Texans player confidently starting. Um, he kind of was in a rut a little bit. He had back-to-back oh, yeah. games with eight and, rushing yards each. And by week. the way, lower expectations against Dallas because that is true. there's there's no chance that they're going to be competitive in this game. I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I know they're just hitting their stride, but uh, uh, we, watched, we watched the Colts get absolutely bludgeoned by Dallas last yeah. week. It's not, it's not going to be any better for Houston, I can't imagine. What I'll say, though, do you think Pierce is still flex-worthy because of the fact that he was back to having 20-plus touches. Yeah, I think you probably, especially with six teams on a bye, you probably don't have a safer option. It's just the the game script is going to be really brutal for Pierce, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's unfair. You can hope that he can get quite a few receptions just to keep that floor high enough to not... Yeah, maybe he stumbles into the end zone once. That's true. Could happen. Um, So, if the Cowboys, the major favorites... Mr. Efficiency, he's back to being Mr. Efficiency. Tony Pollard, um, 91 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns on 12 carries and two receptions for 15 yards. But Ezekiel Elliott is also playing well. 77 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown on 17 carries and three receptions for 14 yards. The Cowboys did score 54 NFL points against the Colts in Week 13, but I think that kind of for the first time you can somewhat confidently start both of these running backs. Yeah, it's an excellent matchup. Texans are worst in the NFL against defending the run. And there are two very uh, talented running backs. We're starting to see Zeke look like his old self a little bit. Um, And Tony Pollard is electric as ever. So, yeah, both of those are definite starters. Something I want to note was, wasn't it like a two- or three-point game against the Colts near the end of the third quarter? And then, boom, Fifty-four it was to a th- nineteen. Yeah, it was like it was. a it was like a three-point game going into halftime. I want to say, and then they just pulled away. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Um, actually, I want to see. Yeah, no, they scored thirty-three points in the fourth quarter. It's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. So if they can keep that up, <laughs> that's amazing. That I mean, that's that's on pace to score well over a hundred points if they did that each quarter. <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> But yeah, they'll win the bowl if they keep doing that. Yeah, Uh, just do that. (laughs) Run it back, fellas. Uh, Michael Gallup had two receiving touchdowns on four receptions. Gabe Davis. 
uh, which makes him a little unpredictable. <laughs> but I think he could be a good play in the fantasy playoffs as he continues to get more involved in the offense. I have something here about Odell potentially, Odell Beckham Jr. potentially derailing that, but it seems like with new reports, Odell will not be ready to play super soon. So I would feel pretty confident in Gallup kind of taking over that wide receiver two role, which could be pretty valuable in this high scoring offense. Yeah, mid-January is kind of like the the earliest timetable for him. So I don't really think it's going to affect anything fantasy related. Um, You said uh, I dropped him for you so you can pick him up. Right. Yeah, Michael Gallup's a player that I think is worth looking at. Um, I will tell you his roster percentage at 67, so in about a third of leagues he's available. Make sure to keep an eye out on that. Yeah, there's a chance that you can find him. Dalton Schultz had two receptions for 33 yards in Week 13. That's not good. But two receiving touchdowns on four receptions was enough to make him the tight end one in Week 12. So... It's hard not to start him because he has proven to have that ceiling, but that is in such a high-scoring affair to have two receptions for Schultz. It's, I bet he'd be an annoying player to roster the season with this kind of production mixed in with good production mixed in with injuries. But he has shown what he can yeah, do, just, so it's hard to Just chalk him. it up to him being a tight end and, and just move on. Yep, you know how much we love tight ends. We're both picking <laughs> the Cowboys. I won't go against you on this one. All right. Shocking. Move on to Vikings at the favorited by spread Lions, who will be two point at home. home favorites. They are in the division matchup. Yep. So with the Vikings, as you said, this is always pretty simple analysis. In a close win over the Jets in Week 13, Kirk Cousins only threw for 173 yards and one passing touchdown. Justin Jefferson caught that sole passing touchdown and had a decent day overall. He had like 18 points, but that is below his average, so I'm not going to say it was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's just how high a standard is. This lack of passing volume left every other Vikings pass catcher pretty quiet. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is the tight end three, so you can't really bench him if you have him. Um, But Adam Thielen might only be given one more chance by fantasy managers against the Lions defense because he's just really taken a hit in negative touchdown regression. Um so how do you feel about that kind of ultimatum for him? Yeah, I think, so let me look at their upcoming schedule because it may not be entirely fair to give up on him here. I mean, Indianapolis is going to be a tough draw in week 15. The Giants are kind of so-so, and then Green Bay in week 17 is also kind of so-so. Um, so I wouldn't say it's the last chance for Adam Thielen, but I think it's a good opportunity for him to bounce back after how he performed last yeah. week. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I kind of mean it as the last chance is like him always making your lineup, which I don't even know if that is the case for people that have him. It might not be. I'm not necessarily saying that you should drop him, but uh, this is definitely... Yeah, he's wide receiver 31. Wide receiver 31 on the season. So he's a flex level player. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And then Dalvin Cook had a solid day having 22 touches and find the end zone. So yeah pretty simple analysis move on to the lions um we've had a a few changes in this offense so deandre swift looked like his old self rushing for 62 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries while also having four receptions for 49 yards on six targets 51 percent of snaps still isn't amazing but i would i would now be pretty confident in starting swift after this performance because he's looking like he's getting the usage as as if he is fully healthy and it seems like that is the case so Mm -hmm. do you agree with that you feel pretty confident in swift now yeah, this is obviously a very positive development for managers of DeAndre Swift. Um, he was getting peanuts, and now he's getting a whole meal. So, yeah, this is uh, this is an improvement for sure. 
And I just want to highlight the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown is currently the wide receiver six on the season, which is not really, if you've been seeing how he's doing, that's not surprising, but I just mean to say that he boomed so early in the season, you kind of forget where his ADP was, and wide receiver six is just so <laughs> insanely good compared to his ADP. I mean, you were well, getting was, him as your wide receiver three, probably. At, in sleeper, he was right next to Brandon Cooks, so if that gives you any yeah. perspective. Yeah, they, they were always back-to-back, and yeah. I feel like I was taking Cooks a lot more than St. Brown and Mock <laughs> well, So, in fairness, we thought that Cooks was going to be a safe top 20 wide receiver, and he yeah. has not been that at all. And St. Brown was going to be the riskier play, and he St. Brown's really shown his ceiling for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, another uh, piece of news for this offense is Jamison Williams making his debut in Week 13. Uh, he played, I mean, making his debut is kind of light yeah, yeah. because he, he only played, played 11 snaps. Of snaps. Yeah and having zero receptions on one target, but mm-hmm. he was active. And I yeah. dropped him a few weeks ago. You now have him. So I bet you're hoping for some more going forward, but what do you expect from him going yeah, forward? Yeah, I'm not to brag, but I am in a position where I don't have to start him. I'm not real. I'm really just holding on to him to see what he becomes. Yeah. Uh, he could be someone that in, you know, in week 16 or 17, he's established himself as a you know fringe wide receiver one and that would be fantastic but um i think that if you roster jameson williams you likely are in a good position in your league and you don't have to throw him out there in your starting lineup so uh just just keep that in mind let him let him prove it before he burns you yeah jared Goff. well jared goff i'll say through for 340 passing yards in week 13, so there could be enough to go around for both St. Brown, Williams, and little Deshaun plays to Swift, where he gets all those little PPR yeah, goodie it, points. It seems like everyone's putting up yards through the air against Minnesota, so yeah, uh, this should be a big game for all the pass catchers. And uh, by the way, revenge game for TJ Hawkinson. We didn't mention that before. That is true. That is true. Um, I'm going with the underdog, <laughs> the Vikings. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to join you on this one. I think that uh, maybe if Jamison Williams was healthier, that there might be a, a conversation here. But but Minnesota has twice as many wins as Detroit, so let's keep that in perspective. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll move on to Eagles at Giants divisional matchup. <clears throat> so in Week 13, Jalen Hurts had a monster day, throwing for 380 yards and three touchdowns while also having one rushing touchdown. I mean, people in, like, week three, analysts, which we know that analysts can sometimes be clowns, but, in like, week three were saying, Hurts, MVP discussion. That was way too early. Now he's looking like that to me. Hey, I saw somebody saying Cooper Rush for MVP at that time. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> but Hurts so, is, is uh, getting to There that have been level. worse takes. If there, if, that is true. If Lamar Jackson didn't have his MVP season so recently, I think there would be more to say about Hurts being this one-of-a-kind, we've-never-seen-before player that can mm-hmm. throw for this much and also rush for over 100 yards like he did last week. Yeah. Just Lamar Jackson in recent history uh, kind sure. of established himself as that first one-of-a-kind. But it's it's seeming like there's more and more quarterbacks that are fitting that mold, and that it's very exciting to watch. Um, yeah, for just, sure. just wait a, until Justin Fields fits that mold. Yeah. I think it's a great development for the sport. I think it adds so much to offenses, and it just adds a lot of nuance to what teams can do. And I think that's, like I've said in multiple weeks, that's what makes the Eagles so good, is Hertz can do this with a monster passing day, and then he can also just like lead the league in rushing yards for the week. Like It's ridiculous. <laughs> it really right. is. Um, 
So it kind of goes without saying, but A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith both had great days because of Hurts' performance. Brown mm-hmm. caught two touchdowns, and Smith caught the third. Uh, when Hurts has a day like this, though, it takes a touchdown for Miles Sanders to have double-digit fantasy points. That did happen, but it only amounted to Sanders having 11.8 fantasy points. It's a little annoying probably to roster Sanders, but he's proven to have a, too high of a ceiling, I think, to really bench. It just can be difficult to know whenever he's going to be that guy that carries your lineup or is just kind of like, meh. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think he's always a flex consideration. Yeah. All right, so that's all the Eagles. And Goddard is still out, so there's not really much to talk about outside of Brown and Smith as the pass catchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, move on to the Giants. I was happy to see that Saquon Barkley returned to having a top 10 RB performance for the week. That made me happy. Um, wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins. I always have to add what position it is when I've never seen the name before. He caught Daniel Jones's only passing touchdown, but I'm more convinced by Darius Slayton's performance, which includes six receptions for 90 yards on eight targets while playing 92% of snaps. And, you know, we've always been searching for that Giants pass catcher. Do we finally have a flex-worthy one in Darius Slayton? Um, I, I do like Darius Slayton as a player. I think this is a tough matchup for him this week. Yeah. Um, but if you're desperate and there are six teams on by, I think you can you can do worse at flex than starting Darius Slayton. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, our guy Daniel Bellinger. <laughs> like we, <laughs> as much as we hate on tight ends, we like to find these like hidden gems that maybe could be reliable for you and daniel bellinger's kind of been that guy or starting with it was starting to be that guy until he got injured but he made his return he played uh 97 of snaps which is great and that amounted to five receptions for 24 yards on five targets um so did not get you double digits but he's getting the receptions that you like to see in a tight end the bar is low as we always say yeah he's <laughs> rostered in six percent of leagues on yes. sleeper um That's and we're we're like applauding long. for seven and a half fantasy points but uh yeah it's um <laughs> i don't know to throw throw a dart at him why not i mean he should be rostered in more than six percent there's way more That's tight ends probably there. fair um yeah it's i mean you're talking about an offense that is you know it's it is mainly saquon but it is a pretty good offense that needs to find a pass catcher you would think that could be reliable and it could be slate and it could also be bellinger i'm not saying i'm really excited about putting in my starting lineup but six percent rosters is really low very few tight ends reach that that caliber so yeah it's just something that we continue continue to uh to focus on in these episodes yes um what did the giants do last week oh they're the ones that tied with the commanders yeah. yeah i mean we're both picking the eagles but i don't think the giants will be a pushover yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, this is a divisional matchup. Anything could happen. Uh, the Eagles' only other loss came to the Commanders, so that's important to keep in perspective. Uh, but I just think that the Eagles are a better team, so I'm going if with If you that. weren't so close to me in game predictions, maybe I would go to the Giants, but I don't feel confident <laughs> enough to do that. Throw it away. Right. Go ahead. We'll move on to Ravens at Steelers, another divisional matchup. We split up the notes here, so I have the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson, sad to see. He's my starting quarterback, as we've already mentioned. He's considered week-to-week with a knee injury. But, as we both know, Tyler Huntley has shown glimpses of being a Lamar Jackson clone when he's been called up to be the starter. So do you think he should be prioritized on the waiver wire? Or should I start him over to Sean Watson? That's basically what I'm asking. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I already kind of tipped my hand in that regard. Uh, did. I do think I do think he's probably a safer option 
this week than Deshaun. And yeah, Tyler Huntley, we've seen him. I mean, I think I, I almost think part of the reason that Baltimore didn't re-sign Lamar is because they have Tyler Huntley right behind him. Yeah. Um, Which now, might be disrespectful Huntley, to Lamar, but no. Well, I'm, what I'm getting at is that Tyler Huntley's not an MVP level player, but he is a damn good backup quarterback. He is, and I think that he fits perfectly in their scheme. In that, you know, similar to what you're saying in a Lamar Jackson clone. Um, but yeah, I, I, Tyler Huntley is a good backup quarterback. He could likely start on several rosters and be better than their current starting option. I'm looking at you, LA and uh, the Rams, not the chargers. (laughs) I realized I had to make that (laughs) distinction. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I think that that's, um, that's important to note. And also let's talk about Mark Andrews, who in that time that Lamar missed last season, Mark Andrews got a significant bump in production. So let's talk he about did. that. He did do very well. Uh, I didn't pull any sort of averages, but I do remember having some elite performances with Tyler Huntley. So you do I believe I read that... it was like four points per game higher. Wow. That is, yeah. And on a pretty high standard already with Mark Andrews. Yeah. So you hope that he can replicate that with Huntley and that his ceiling won't be limited too much. I will say uh, with Tyler Huntley, it's not like every game he filled in for Lamar last season was amazing, but he had one game where he absolutely boomed with like two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. I mean, I mean, there are quarterbacks, and like you're saying, it's unique that they have someone that can fit the mold of Lamar Jackson in that offense because there are quarterbacks that don't hit that two touch, two rushing, two passing touchdown metric in a game in their entire career just because that's not the type of player they are. So Tyler Huntley already comes in and does that. Shows yeah, uh, that he has the ability to kind of be the guy who could do everything like Lamar can. Yeah, I'm looking back at last season's numbers for him, and and week 15 against Green Bay, he had a two-passing touchdown, two-rushing touchdown game uh, that absolutely boomed for him. So Green Bay was no slouch last season. They were a playoff team, and Pittsburgh is not that this year. It's a divisional matchup, so who knows? But, uh, yeah, it could happen. Yeah, so I think that... Huntley is a very solid fantasy replacement if you have Lamar or if you just need a bi-week fill-in. And Mark Andrews, as you said, could potentially be even better. Um, And really nobody else worth starting in this offense. So uh, I'll let you take over for lengthy notes on the Steelers. Hey, I mean, it's the same thing I talked about. Yeah, it's the same thing I talked about a while ago. Uh, They're kind of all flex considerations. Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens all flex options um and then pat farmuth is a tight end one so you're likely starting him and that's kind of it there this team is two and a half point favorites uh, you're going to the ravens i am and i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about it i think you know is what? tyler huntley better than kenny pickett <laughs> i don't even know if it comes down to that i think it's just more that <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just something something gives me the feeling that I want to pick the Steelers in this one, so I'm gonna go. With it's them. a weird one. It's a weird one for sure. Yeah. All right, you can take <laughs> over with the rest of your notes. All right, let's talk Jaguars at the Titans next. Uh, Trevor Lawrence struggled at Detroit last week, only completing 17 of his 31 attempts for 179 yards and a touchdown. I feel like we've seen that 179 number quite a bit. Um. <laughs> 
Despite this, Lawrence should remain a borderline QB1 option with six teams on by. Not really worried about him in this one. Tennessee is a good defense, uh, but it just feels like lately the Jaguars have needed to pass the ball, and I think they're going to yeah. call on Lawrence to do that more. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, sorry, Travis Etienne scored just 7.6 fantasy points and has disappointed fantasy managers since Week 10 after a three-game stretch of weekly finishes as a RB1. I know you're feeling that hurt. Um yeah. ETN still remains a must-start, but this may not be the week we see him finish inside the top 10 again. Uh, Tennessee ranks 8th against running back, so it's a tough draw here. Uh, Christian Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) There's the copium. Uh, Christian Kirk is a lineup lock, and while Zay Jones was targeted seven times last week, he appears to be more of a boom-bust flex option than someone you can rely on on a weekly basis. I'm excited uh, for this team next season with Calvin Ridley. I'm remembering that rightly. He went to the Jaguars. Yes, yes, he did. I think that's going to be exciting. Yeah, if he can, if he can stay on the field and you know get his off the field issues under control, this yeah. could be a legit team uh, coming out of coming out of their division. For so sure. let's talk about the Titans next. One of your all time favorite teams. Yep, all time. Uh, they were dominated by Philadelphia, and all players suffered for it in fantasy. Derrick Henry remains a lineup lock despite this, um, and it's a good matchup for running backs against the Jaguars. We've seen it all year long. Um, bit of a scary moment here for Traylon Burks. He did suffer a concussion in a brutal helmet-to-helmet hit on his lone catch. I, I think it was uh, worth ejecting the defensive the defender. Mm. I did not see it. That didn't happen, so. Yeah, it was a bad hit. Um, it did. It was a bittersweet moment. It was his first career receiving touchdown, um, but he did leave the game afterwards and was ruled out shortly after. Mm. Monitor his status. He had been developing into a usable pass catcher on this team prior to this injury, so uh, keep an eye on that. I am going to pick the Jaguars. The Titans are going 0-17 this season in my books. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, don't take over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take Tennessee in this one. No, that's what I'm doing. Fine. Fine. All right, next game: Chiefs at the Broncos. Woo-hoo! Uh, this is a disrespectful spread. Nine points for Kansas City. Are you kidding me? I know it should uh, be nine for the Broncos. Yeah. So uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey appear to be the last remaining lineup locks on KC, which is hard to believe. We were yeah. seeing Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, kind of pop off he had a three-game stretch where he was a weekly wide receiver one um, but he has uh, since struggled in a scoring slump less than seven fantasy points per game uh, for three straight weeks now that's bad Uh, he is a flex at your own risk I wouldn't do it personally Denver ranks second against wide receivers that's pretty much the only thing they have going for him and uh, moving on to the running backs Isaiah Pacheco Seems like the preferred running back to roster, but he still remains touchdown dependent. Uh, three consecutive weekly finishes as a RB2. Denver is more middle of the pack against running backs. They rank 12th in the NFL. So, yeah, uh, Pacheco's a, uh, a flex option at running back for sure. With this good uh, of an offense, it really is surprising that it's, it is just Mahomes and Kelsey. I mean, you have, is Mahomes the QB1? He might be. I know that Kelsey is probably the tight end one. It's funny. Either way, they're both very high up in their position rankings, and then yeah. they leave, like nothing Mahomes, for anyone else. 
Holmes, QB1, Kelsey, tight end one. And uh, t- Kelsey put up 7.6 last week. He was nothing special. Yeah, um, but the standard. We know the standard. Yeah, very much so. And of him. Yeah, so not to get too much opposite. into it again. Um, so let's move on to Denver. They are nine-point underdogs, which is uh, absurd. Uh, they scored nine points last week, so I guess Kansas City's only going to put up 18. Um, but... Okay. Last week in a game that resulted in 19 total points scored. Like I said before, their defense is the only thing worth anything on that team. I'm looking at you, Russell Wilson. Uh, We didn't learn anything we didn't already know about Denver last week. They might be the worst team in the NFL right now, and I don't. I I really don't see how you can argue that. I know that the Texans are have one win. (laughs) They beat the Texans, but Denver is awful. They are very, um, very, very bad. I saw that the Cowboys scored 54, as we already said, in Week 13, and that's mm-hmm. more than the Broncos have scored since Halloween. <laughs> I think that was the stat. Yeah, maybe maybe they can watch some film on that team and pick up some stuff. Maybe. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give you a quick rundown of these players, and I want you to just quickly answer flex or bench. Um, so Latavius Murray he put up 10.1 last week. Oh, God. Uh, bench. Okay. Cortland Sutton with a hamstring issue. Considered day-to-day. He had zero fantasy points last week. One target. Played 43% of snaps. I mean, you obviously have to... If he's if he's limit, If he has some full practices, I feel like you could flex him. But if he's limited but still gets cleared, I would probably lean towards thinking that Judy, the next person you ask, will be the one that you'd want to start. So I need some health out of Sutton to have any sort of confidence at all. Okay. So we'll say, you know, wait and see on the wide receiver situation. You're willing to start one of them if one of them is unable to play. Yeah, if one of them is inactive, I definitely feel pretty... Oh, I definitely feel pretty. I definitely feel pretty. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel pretty. And then that's a side note. And then Judy probably is a good flex option. Okay. And then Greg Dulcich, 14 and a half fantasy points. He was the tight end at two in week 13 and the tight end 40 in week 12. So yeah, very volatile there. I don't really buy it. God, this is a great offense. <laughs> so I yeah. guess, yeah, Judy, you feel fine about, especially if Sutton's out. Mm-hmm. Flip a coin on which one you want if they're both healthy. Dolchich is too volatile, as you said, volatile. Yeah. Yes. And then Latavius Murray, I think, is just... I feel like his ceiling is like 10 points. So, Well, uh, if he falls in the end zone, that that certainly bumps him up. But, yeah, no, uh, a low floor play for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm picking the Chiefs. Where are you picking? the Broncos. Let's do it. Chiefs. Ah, come on. This would be awesome if they won, though. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, gross. All right, let's talk about Panthers at Seahawks next. Uh, coming off their bye, Carolina did announce they have waived Baker Mayfield. He's already found a new home, as we've mentioned. So it's going to be Sam Darnold as the starter and P.J. Walker serving as backup moving forward. Uh, Deontay Foreman handled 24 carries back in Week 12 and warrants flex consideration, albeit touchdown dependent. And D.J. Moore had a three-game stretch of scoring less than seven fantasy points per game before finishing as the wide receiver 12 in Week 12 against Denver. So that's kind of a good sign. Um, is more worth a flex consideration this week, or is he too risky against Seattle, who ranks seventh against wide receivers? Uh, 
I think he can be a flex consideration. We saw when Darnold actually looked good at the very beginning of last season, DJ Moore was having an an amazing start to the season. So Mm -hmm. it's not like he's never done it with Darnold, and I think that's enough to make him, sure, a flex consideration. Uh, Okay. He's another player that has been probably really annoying to manage all season because there was a stretch there where in the middle of the season where it's like, oh, okay, he's finding a stride. Uh, kind of like the Texans against the Eagles on Thursday Night Football exactly, a few weeks ago. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it seems to have had this a similar outcome to that team because he has not really found a stride other than, like you said, that Week 12 performance against Denver, which is surprising because Denver is the one thing they're good at and he had a right. decent game. So they're good at Okay, fair enough. Um, so let's move on to Seattle on this one. Geno Smith performed tremendously against a historically terrible defending Super Bowl champion Rams team that is missing the majority of their key players, including Aaron Donald on defense last week. Uh, monitor him. Well, I guess this is not relevant because they play Thursday night. So um, what I meant to say was <clears throat> despite them missing players, especially key players on defense, Geno Smith looked am- amazing. And both pass catchers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, looked amazing. Um, They are lineup locks, and I guess we can take the L on our preseason ranks for these guys. They were just too good uh, for their situation. And it also helps quite a bit that Geno Smith just kind of became really good at football. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely take that L. But also, even more importantly, the Seahawks can really take a W in a trade that everyone thought was going to make the Broncos a much better team than the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks are probably, they're not as good as what everyone hoped the Broncos would be, but the Broncos are probably worse than anyone thought the Seahawks would go down to. Um, so yeah, they really swapped Yeah, that might, that might be fair. Yeah, that might be fair, yeah. Um, moving on to the running back situation, Ken Walker has an inflammation issue with his foot. Uh, that will need to be managed in practice this week. Monitor his status. Don't trust what you hear from Pete Carroll. Yeah, don't um, do <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, shout out to Chris Carson last season. Yeah. Um, you, you are picking the Seahawks. I will join you on that one. I like this team. They are uh, they're really coming on, especially on the defensive secondary portion, and I think yeah. that's going to give Carolina some trouble. Agreed. All right, let's talk next about Tampa Bay and the San Francisco 49ers. And the first note, Tom Brady still knows how to win games. He may be old. He may be <laughs> going... Go. Well, he's fought, He's past going through a divorce. Um, I but think he he's 2-1. Win. Sorry, 2-1 since he's gone divorced or something? 3-1 maybe? Hey, get that toxic energy out of here, man. It's <laughs> it, it's probably helping him in more ways than you know. Um, but And uh, shout out to his daughter. Happy birthday on Monday. And uh, <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> they talked about it on the broadcast. I'm not that involved. Um, but anyway, he got that win. It was a good time all around. Um, let's talk about the fantasy players now. Running back committee was nearly a 50-50 split, although Fournette looked like the better running back in terms of efficiency, which hasn't always been the case this season. Uh, Rashad White lost a fumble in the fourth quarter, that, but redeemed himself by scoring the game-winning touchdown with three seconds left on the clock. It doesn't get any clutcher than that. Uh, Chris Godwin remains a must-start, catching eight of his 13 targets for 63 yards. It would have loved that game-winning touchdown to go to him. It could have helped me a lot in my matchup last week. Unfortunately, it wasn't the case. Tampa Bay still got the win. They don't care about my fantasy team. Uh, Mike Evans continues his struggles, making him more of a boom-bust flex option, which who would have thought, especially with no Marshawn Lattimore in this game, who would have thought that Mike Evans would be a boom-bust flex? 
I mean, he clearly, I think in a lot of people's rankings, clearly was a wide receiver one. So it's been dis- a disappointing season for him. And it's, it's good to see that one pass catcher in Chris Godwin has become consistent to almost the ceiling. Not the ceiling, but almost the level that you would expect from him on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, we can certainly call Chris Godwin a good value in drafts this year, um, if nothing else. Uh, And then Kate Otten finished week 13 as the tight end one, uh, rookie tight end, in case you haven't heard a lot from him this year. He caught six of 10 targets for 28 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cameron Bray was inactive due to illness this past game. Uh, We know Tom loves getting the tight end involved, but Otten remains a boom-bust option and has been less reliable when Bray is healthy. Uh, six teams on a bye. I get it. You might be desperate, but uh, at least monitor Cameron Braid's availability in this one because yeah, if he's not there, maybe Kate Otten's worth starting. He was literally tight end one last week, but um, it was really all... On it was 14.8 really... points? Yeah, yes. Yippee. <laughs> yeah. So um, but yeah, let's still... go ahead and move on. I, well, I will say before you move on to the 49ers... Okay. Uh... Unless Fournette leaves, this has to do with next season and drafts. Unless Fournette leaves, this is not going to be a very fun backfield to draft out of. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, and, and it's a situation that we talked about last week that I traded to get out of. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, or I guess two weeks ago. But either way, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's kind of... It's kind of complicated with it being a 50-50 split as it is currently. Yeah. All right, so on to the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo was given a 7-8 to eight week return timeline, making his making him potentially eligible to return deep in the playoffs. But for fantasy purposes, his season is over. Uh, but man of the hour, Mr. Irrelevant, which is last uh, draft pick in this most recent 2022 draft. Oh, Brock he's a rookie? I didn't realize yeah. he was a rookie. Okay, wow. Yeah, I, I saw the Mr. Relevant, but I didn't realize he was a rookie. That's so he will fill in as the new starting quarterback. Uh, San Francisco continues to fight through significant injuries this season, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, we're looking at you, Trey Lance, hoping he gets healthy for next year. Uh, but this is the first time a Mr. Irrelevant threw a forward pass in regular season in NFL history, let alone throw for touchdowns. Wow, usually um, they're so like irrelevant that they throw it backwards <laughs> yeah good one towards um, the wrong end zone <laughs> yeah they're so confused they're like i'm yeah. playing yeah anyway um christian mccaffrey was the lone fantasy stud on san francisco in week 13 28.6 fantasy points you'll have to see that looking like his old self um debo samuel was my wide receiver four in preseason rankings so clearly i was a little too high on the talented young player but he is still a wide receiver too i think the addition of christian mccaffrey has hurt him in ways that uh, you you could have speculated at the time of the trade but no one knew for sure Um, but it is clearly appearing that way uh Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle both struggled as well. I, I chalk it up to the early QB change more than fair. anything. I still like both of those players season long. Um, and I'll ask you, with Brock Purdy under center, how does the QB change affect your rankings for these players rest of season? I know we're at a stage in the season where you can't really do a wait and see this week, and I think that the ceiling of all these players is too high to do that with them. But yeah. um, as far as how I feel rest of season... It will kind of depend on how this week goes, but they still are all too good to not be in your starting lineup. 
So. Yeah, that's that's how I feel as well. Um, glad we're on the same page there. Yes. All right, who are you picking in this one? Um, I just find it hard to believe that Tom Brady could lose to a Mister Irrelevant. No offense. Brock Ooh, Purdy. no, I like that. I think so. So Brock Purdy was, I think he was five months old when Tom Brady made his start in the NFL. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you some context of old versus young here, I'm going to join you. I Wow. I, yeah, Go I'm going to. Well, I don't ever like to pick against Tom. So uh, <laughs> lifelong Patriots fan and, and, and Tom Brady fan, of course. But uh, yeah, I think with San Francisco, <sighs> I'd be fine being wrong about this one. Um, but I think that uh, I think they can certainly get it done. I, you know, experience over uh, expectations, we'll say. Yeah, I mean, the defense for the 49ers is still very good, but I think that I think Brady can get it done. Yeah, he, he finds a way, man. He finds a way. He does. He does. All right, let's talk about Sunday Night Football next, and this should be a good one. Uh, Miami Dolphins at L.A. Chargers. Uh, for Miami, both running backs were major disappointments in their revenge game at San Francisco last week, combining for 3.3 fantasy points. <laughs> that is a big that. oof. What's Yay. that? I said I traded out of that, which for... I, well, I can't believe what For a short happened. period, that was the wrong move. <laughs> it was. But, I mean, Devontae Smith had a good week last week. That makes me feel good about it. He's someone I yeah. acquired out of the trade. Pickens did yeah. not, but we will grace over that. But... Uh, something that is interesting is like I've mentioned in a previous episode, I was like uh, centimeters from pressing the button to get drop Jeff Wilson most likely for Deont- for Deontay Foreman, and it's almost turned out to not be a bad move to not do that. Although Deontay Foreman has been very good, just an interesting little tidbit from me. Yeah, a little bit of reminiscing. Yes. All right, so I do expect a significant bounce back in Week 14. Uh, the Chargers rank among the league worst against running backs. I, I don't have their exact ranking, but if um, but I know they've been bad, bad this year. Sorry. Yes. Um, between Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, who do you rank higher? See, this is why I traded them away. I guess <laughs> Wilson. I think guess. it is Wilson too. I think it is. Um, we've seen since he's been acquired by Miami, we've seen him be used more as the primary running back and, and Raheem Mostert more as the change of pace guy. So I, I agree with that. I think Jeff Wilson's the preferred option. Um, but I honestly think both options could be, uh, at least flex considerations in this matchup. Yeah. Moving on to pass catchers, Jalen Waddle only played 52% of the snaps while playing through a leg injury. Monitor his status. He said that he's going to be good to go for this game. Uh, and I and I am I tend to believe him. So uh, Tyree Kill is a lineup lock, as is Waddle if healthy. Moving on to the Chargers, Austin Eckler largely underwhelmed in a favorable matchup against the Raiders. Thirteen point two fantasy points. He is still a lineup lock. He is still the RB one on the season. Uh, so don't get too cute in this final week heading into playoffs. I, I don't know why you would. Uh, but anyway, Keenan Allen finally looked like the wide receiver you were hoping for on draft day. Hopefully he keeps it up for any team still fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, Joshua Palmer and DeAndre Carter have been volatile flex options over the past five weeks. Uh, they are both flex at your own risk, in my opinion. 
Do we have any updates? I haven't I seen anything about about Mike either. Williams. Um, he has a projection for the week, so Boy. that's a good sign. Um, he should see. take part in practice this week. And that's kind of it. So monitor his status. I suppose if Mike Williams is active, that Joshua Palmer and DeAndre Carter kind of fall out of that flex consideration. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be looking to start either of them. And it's disappointing that this is for people that have Mike Williams. If he, It seems like this could end up being a game-time decision situation, which is really difficult for Sunday Night Football. Yeah, that's sketchy for sure. Maybe you can uh, maybe you can replace him with a with a Monday night guy like uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about those soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Gerald Everett is the last one I want to talk about. He had his first tight end one weekly finish since week seven. That was the week prior to their bye week. Um, he's tight end nine on the season. So, are you willing to trust him this week with six teams on bye? Sure. <laughs> I feel like he has a high enough floor to be better than a lot of other tight ends that you might need to be well if you're having to replace someone because there are a lot of teams on by i think that he is definitely not the worst option to have because there's a like it's a possibility that you have him on your bench because he his adp was very low and you've yeah. just been stashing him all season that's not impossible so i think in that instance he would be pretty good fill in yeah and i mean considering he's a top 10 option at the position for the whole season that's uh that's kind of indicative that he's likely been rostered for a while um yep. but yeah i think <laughs> we keep falling back into the trap of talking about tight ends we need to just we need to just kind of uh banish well, it's them because the that position is like the mo we kind of talk a lot about the fringe guys as far as making your lineup and that kind mm-hmm. of is the definition of a tight end so <laughs> yeah difficult. tight end hyphen fringe guy yeah i've seen yeah. it i can already see it listed yep. on next to their name and sleeper i can yep. see it check your local dolphins. encyclopedias yes do it all right this next will be a close one. Oh, yeah let's make pick your game make your pick I um dolphins. yeah i'm gonna pick miami as well i think their defense is better than the raiders so and if the chargers can get it done there uh i think the dolphins can bounce back against from a loss against the 49ers it being in los angeles definitely helps the chargers but i think the dolphins have a good chance of winning this yeah and maybe maybe with you know the addition of mike williams they have that extra bump but even then i still think you know it's hard to go it's hard to surpass the duo of jalen waddle and tyree kill yeah which i mean if there's a reality where mike williams is active and waddles out that could change it but we don't know that right maybe now. so yeah we're, we're recording this on tuesday evening so um you'll just have to wait and see like the rest of us yep. all right let's talk about monday night football the last matchup of the week Patriots at Cardinals, and I'm going to be pretty brief about New England. They are the one-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, which I find a little comical. Um, they keep but New England, the Cardinals. New England struggled severely on Thursday Night Football against Buffalo, leaving Ramondre Stevenson as the lone lineup lock for this roster. Jacoby Myers now has three consecutive games with le- weekly finishes of wide receiver huh. 45 or worse. He needs to be left on benches until he returns to early season form. Uh, this is not the week that I'm looking to put him in if I need to win to make the playoffs. So keep that in mind. Uh, moving on to the who, Cardinals. Wait, before you move on, who would yeah. have ever picked the Patriots to beat the Bills last week? That was probably a rogue person, whoever did that. 
Yeah, I, I you know maybe maybe I don't know. You'll probably, fan, right? You'll probably have to tune into our last week's episode to see how who picked that. Yeah, um, maybe it was the Patriots fan. That would make sense. Uh, well, maybe the Patriots fan has some sense. So uh, let's move on to the Cardinals here. Coming off their bye, lineup locks include Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Marquise Brown, all solid options. Uh, I would say lower expectations for James Conner. I say it all the time. New England is still one of the best defenses at limiting running backs. Uh, and then when it comes to a third wide receiver in this team, uh, monitor Rondell Moore's availability. We've yet to see a fully healthy receiving core of Hopkins, Brown, and Moore. Uh, if Moore is cleared to play, how do you rank him for this week? Yeah. Uh, I think he makes your lineup. I think he's the flex. He's shown... It'll be interesting to see what happens with Hopkins, Brown, and Moore, as you've said, all being on the field at once. But yeah, uh, I think that he could get it done still. I think that this... Okay. This offense has been very unlucky with the star power, honestly, that they do have, but it's been when Brown was going off, you had Hopkins uh, suspended, and then Moore also wasn't there to start the season, and uh, that's a really, really good trio, and I think that people are going to be sleeping on the Cardinals, and they think that they could bounce back to having a season like they did last season, next season. I think they could. Yeah, and so then we talked about uh, Mike Williams being a game-time decision. I think this is the guy to look to if it ends up that Mike Williams doesn't play, and that's Greg Dorch. He is yes. 6% rostered and as of this recording. And if Rondell Moore can't play, which, by the way, let's get Moore's roster percentage really quick. Let's get more it's about 65. Moore. 65. So that's 10 times the roster so percentage. Uh, but I mean, Rondell yeah, Moore did so not. Low. Can you believe yeah, that? Ronda... Sorry, I'm just, I am... <laughs> dumbfounded that he is that low after having like three straight weeks of so i was uh, gonna explain why he was so low it's because he didn't play in week 12 people aren't gonna carry him through the week 13 by so yeah so if rondo moore is unavailable i think greg dorch is a similarly ranked player as Moore. we've seen him really perform well in moore's absence and so if you're absolutely down to the wire, <laughs> that's a lot to bank on. But if we have information heading into the weekend about Rondell Moore's availability, scoop up Greg Dortch and yeah. have him at least as a backup for Mike Williams or any other late slate players. That's a um, smart play, but we, ha- we yeah, also haven't seen that's... Dortch with Hopkins and Brown out, but I still think that is a smart play, though. No, yeah, I think so, too. Good thinking. Um, so you're picking the Cardinals. I've convinced myself. After looking at their offensive stop, how, uh, and they're getting a long break coming off a of bye and then playing on Monday. I mean, Patriots yeah. coming from Thursday, but still. Yeah. Um, I'm going to join you on that one as well. I think New England is... Really good. Gosh, I, I'm just looking at their their record now. I, Arizona's 4-8 and eight and New England is 6-6. Six and six. That's kind of wild. Um, yeah. I'm still going to pick the Cardinals with you. I think just for the sake of... We've already picked two games differently. Oh, if... you! <laughs> wow. I listen. It's been a it's been a strategy all season long for, of mine since I've been playing catch up uh, to to pick my to pick my battles wisely. And so it would be fitting for all season for me to have a small lead, so then I have the disadvantage of basically always picking first, basically, and then at the very is... last second you overtake me. 
<laughs> yes, right, right at the last moment, I edged yeah. to the front. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's the strategy. Those are the perks of uh, of being the big brother and uh, making the rules at times. So. Um, hope you all enjoyed listening and or watching. We appreciate you so very much, and good luck. Make the playoffs. Make that push. Uh, anything you want to add? I'm doing something weird with my hands. Peace out, everybody. Okay, we'll, we'll censor that. Um, <laughs> all right. Not that weird. Thanks, guys. We'll talk Bye. to you next week.